What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy and subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, Mike C-Rock. Guys, I'm so Thankful for you guys. Thank you for the audience. Thank you for the following. Thank you for the engagement. I just want to express that to start the show. And today we have my friend, Samit Patel. He's a crowdfunding and product launch expert that has raised over $43 million. He is recommended by incubators, accelerators around the world. He is the go-to expert for business small and big that want to bring their product to market. Samit, welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. Good to be here. See you, my man. So before I get into asking you the start-off question, we met in Clubhouse which is an awesome new app that is providing opportunity for people to meet that normally would not have had the opportunity to connect. And I'm thankful. First of all, I want to share that with you. Gratitude uh, for the opportunity to interview you and to meet you and develop a relationship with you. Yeah, I, pre- I appreciate you inviting me on. Uh, you know, I think we connected the first couple of times we were on Clubhouse and, and this is where it's led to. And that's what Clubhouse is all about, creating connections and seeing where you can provide value and what stories you can exchange. So, you know, when you told me about the concept of this podcast, I was like, yeah, I definitely need to be on C-Rock's podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you being here. So let's start the show, man. What are you made of? I am made of uh, a combination of luck and hard work. Luck and hard work. Okay. So you do, you you believe in luck? Yeah, I think I think my story, uh, which I'll I'll get into at some point during this podcast, it, you'll you'll be able to see what it what it is. Well, it's some people call it divine intervention, some people call it whatever, right? Um, just a coincidence. So it'll be interesting, and I think it will make sense to those of your listeners that stay to the end. They'll understand why I picked those two things. All right, let's roll. So then, what's your story, man? How did you get started? You can take us back as far back as you want to. Uh, when you were in diapers or, 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 or later on in your life. Let me hear your story, man. What's going on with it? Yeah, man. Um, so, you know, well, my first entrepreneurial journey really started in university. But for, for you to get a context of who I am and what I do, I'm an Indian uh, child born in the UK uh, to a low income family with my dad who lost his job uh, very early on. Um, so it was really just surviving through my mum. I was in a country where, you know, I went to schools where I was the only Indian child in the schools. So you can potentially imagine what would happen to someone like me. Um, and I was also very outspoken. I'd speak a lot. I'd, I wouldn't know when to shut up, which, which was yeah. a thing. And, and, you know, people didn't necessarily like that. So, you know, I think looking back on what drives me and what has led me to where I am now in my life, it has to do with a lot about my school. And there was a period when I went to secondary school where, um, you know, I was getting beaten up every single day for about five years. And a lot of the times this made me contemplate whether I wanted to stay alive. And the thing that kept me around was the love of my mum. 
So, you know, she was a very integral part of myself and where I am now. But literally, I was like this Asian kid, very scrawny kid. I was also youngest in my year because my birthday is in August. The first day of secondary school when I was just 11 years old or if not younger, um, there was a huge puddle in the middle of the playground and I was just playing around it. And then some kid shoved me into this huge pond and it was so big, like... And then what, what happened, all the kids surrounded this pond and every single time I'd try and get out, they'd keep pushing me back into it. Um, so that was like my first day at secondary school. And you can imagine what happened ever since. You know, I had that tagline as the guy that fell in the, the pond and every single time, you know, people would just start beating on me. And it's not just like a one-to-one, like I tried to fight back a lot of the times. Like when you're in that situation, you're naturally going to fight back. There was one kid I had 13 fights with and it was just like after 13 fights, I was like, I can't do this no more. You know, I'm, I'm tired of this. Like, because what would happen is you would be, you'd have a fight with that kid. And if you won or lost, they, they would go, oh, you know, this kid beat you up. And they'd make it a thing and they'd cause another fight. And every single time I was never the guy that would start the fight. I, I would, and it's not even a fair fight because once you start fighting with this other person, like the whole school would just beat down on you. So you're not, you're not facing one person, you're facing thousands of kids that are just looking to get a kick in, get a punch in. And that was my life for about five years. Damn, I can resonate with that, man. Like just real quick, you know, I, uh, I was, I grew up in elementary school with, uh, Latino kids. And then I went and moved schools after I left my dad's moved back to my mom's and it was mostly white kids Mm -hmm. and a few African-American kids. I thought I was supposed to hang out with African-American kids. So I did that and I got my ass whooped by all of them. And I didn't know why. I, I, and, and they would always laugh when they were doing it. It was never, they were like angry, but I was scared to death, man. So I've been there and how that resonates and sticks with you still to this day yeah. is to me, like that's the fuel, man. But, but go, go ahead and continue. I just I wanted to let you know, man, I, I resonate with that. It resonates with me. I think we had a conversation yesterday on Clubhouse as well. And, you know, a lot of people, they were coming at it from that they got bullied or they came from a pain point and this is what led them to that entrepreneurial journey. So I think it's, it's, it's something that's a common trait amongst a lot of people. So, you know, that, that was literally what I was having for about five years. Um, it was an all boys school. That was one of my biggest motivators. You know, a lot of the times I did think to myself, look, I'm just going to end it right here. But what kept me going was my mum. I was like, it would literally break a heart. So I kept going for, um, went through it, went to college. College was a much better time because there was girls, it was a mixed school and you know, that they're not necessarily thinking about being people up. And I sort of fitted in to a, a group where I connected with people much better because there was Asians, there was, it was a very nice mix. So, you know, I connected with a lot of people. College went fine and then went to university and university is where my first sort of entrepreneurial um, bug got me. I started uh, throwing nightclub events. So I used to host parties where I started off working with maybe one really rubbish club that shouldn't no one should have gone to because it was that rubbish right but ended up uh, bringing a whole host of people I ended up becoming like the biggest nightclub promoter in London making thousands of bucks every single week Um, and this was going from you know having zero coming in to earning thousands you're like a kid that's broke into a candy shop and has everything accessible to you so literally every single time I would make this money, I was living like a rock star lifestyle. I'd be buying everyone drinks. I'd be getting cabs back and forth. You know, if it was just like a couple of down the road, my takeaway bills would be probably a thousand bucks. 
like and i would probably not even eat half that food it was, it was crazy like it wasn't sustainable you know if i did have something that i would learn from that period it was would have been invest that money into something you know that's going to keep money going um so i did that for about 3 4 years um during university it helped pay for a lot of my um my living expenses and my luxuries of going out which would have been otherwise very hard to do so i was forced into that situation because of coming from a low income family and not really having the money to go through university education i never really wanted to go through university education i did it because it was a way to go away from my home because my dad is very he's got ocd which is uh you know he gets very um tight about small things so you know if you touch the floor he'd be like wash your hands and he holds everything with plastic bags and like a whole bunch yeah. of crap so that was a whole situation that i had to deal with um and it was great to just go you know what i'm going to go out and live out for 3 years and that's exactly what i did did any of that pass down to you the ocd stuff no, no i'm complete i'm complete, complete opposite so i'm like if he's like touch this i do complete opposite and that's that's one thing that hasn't stuck to me yeah 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 i was just curious about that yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like there's a whole, I think that's a whole topic in itself, but I think uh, for, for the point of this, let's, let's just keep going with this. Um, but yeah, I graduated in 2019, uh, no, 2009, 2009. I graduated. Damn, son, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's, that's, that's last year. Um, but I graduated in 2009 and obviously 2009 was like big crash of the economy. There was no real jobs going and and for me, I never really wanted to get into jobs. You know, I thought I thought I was making I made a thousand bucks in a week. Why would I want to go back to a five dollar an hour job? Like just doesn't make sense when I, I was making that very quickly. So for me, like it was literally like, you know what, I've got to keep like anything I'll touch will turn into gold. Like that's that's what I was thinking to myself. So I literally tried my hand at a bunch of businesses. I went into the travel market one of my friends had a travel business um and he was he was like yeah come into this business you know we can we can sort of grow it together i was working there for about two three years thinking you know i'm going to make some money i made some money but it wasn't enough it wasn't life-changing the reason for that was because it was a family business and the family business was very stuck in its old ways i was telling them from 2009 that the booking engine was going to be the next big thing everyone is going to be booking online they're not going to be calling and they were a very old fashioned business that relied on calling, right? So I was like, no, you need to think like this is going to change. But they just wouldn't listen. So I ended up leaving that. I ended up going into another business, which was, uh, which was run by another friend that I connected during the nightclub time. And he was that type of guy that had a nice car. He had a nice flat. He had a nice girlfriend. Everything that you would be like, oh, wow, you know, this guy must have something sorted. He must have the silver bullet that I'm looking for. Right, and right. I think that, and that I, I fell for that. I, I was like, all right, cool. You know, this guy must know something that I don't. And so I went to work with him. He was like, yeah, you know, we'll get to sign up. We'll, we'll create a business for you. We'll make sure you're making a bunch of money. But what ended up happening was like, I just ended up becoming a glorified sort of employee for him, which was on a minuscule percentage uh, ownership in the company. So I ended up managing a hair salon that don't ask me i don't even have hair you know it was like a hair extension so women get this hair extension thing to make their hair long so they were like yeah this is the business we got for you look go in and do it and i'm like i know nothing about hair 
but I spent about six months to a year dealing with that as well as a training academy and various other crappy businesses. And it really just got to a point where I was like, look, I'm not doing anything. Like, what the hell am I? I'm not here to be an employee. And they're like, all right, cool. We'll help you. Uh, we've got this amazing new idea. And I was like, all right, cool. What is it? And they were like, it's SEO. And I was like, SEO has been around for the last 10 years. Like, there's nothing different in that. They're like, no, no, don't worry. Trust me. You know, you're going to make a lot of money. They put together Excel that showed, you know, it's going to be a multi-million dollar venture. And again, being the naive young kid I was, I was thinking, okay, cool. Maybe they know something. Fast forward a year later, you know, again, I was door knocking every single day. I, I was the guy that was working my ass off. I was knocking re down restaurants. I was calling restaurants. I built up a team of about 10 to 15 people. The company that shouldn't have done well did well, right? But the, the thing that was continuously going wrong was the other business partner that, that was the guy that we thought was the, the silver bullet. He wasn't delivering on these clients. So he, every single time would be like, all right, so what's happening with this client? Are you doing the work? People are like, ah, oh, no, I haven't got around to it. So we'd end up losing these clients. So every single time we were getting this, it kept happening. And I was like, look, I'm not in the business to just collect money and not deliver on our promises. I said, look, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some time off and I'm gonna create my own business. So I ended up creating a social media agency on the back end of this. So the premises was that people would get three posts on social media, and this was before social media blew up. So they'd get a post on Facebook, they'd get a post on Google Plus. They'd get a post on Twitter and, and that was, and would charge 99 bucks for that. And that, that's, that's the business we set up. That started to blow up, right? But what happened was like, again, the business partners were not doing anything in that company. So I was again doing all the work. I created the idea. They weren't in, even investing any money because it's a service-based business. Like what money do you have to invest in? So I was like to them, look, you know, at the moment, you guys are doing nothing in this. Like, why, why are we splitting this cut three ways? It just doesn't make sense. Like, what am I getting out of this? And it really got to a loggerhead where they were just like, no, this is what it is. And I went, all right, then fair enough. I'm going to go create this on my own. And that's exactly what I did. So I went and created a new business from scratch, the same premises. And the next thing I know, they like, I start getting lawyer letters, solicitor letters saying, you know, that they want to sue me. Uh, they send the police to my house um, and the police were going to search my house because they claimed I had stolen a laptop, which I didn't do. So I don't know what they were trying to do, but they were obviously trying to paint me in a, in a bad light. So you can imagine by this point, I was 28 years old. So I'd spent uh, about nearly six, six years uh, or, or five years plus just faffing around with trying my hand at different businesses, failing miserably, having zero to my pocket, and all of my friends in nice corporate jobs meeting up every Friday. And throughout this time period, I'd just be like, I'm working really hard. I'm going to be making a success. So at 28, I was at my lowest point where I felt useless. I had no money. And I was, I was out of ideas. I was literally like, all I've, all I've ever thought about is running my own business. And where I'm going now is nowhere. So like that was obviously, you know, I was really stressed out at that point. I was losing crazy weight. My hair was. How did that relate to the feelings that you had when you were a kid and getting bullied and, and wanting to end it? 
yeah, it was it's very similar because you know you like you were getting physically bullied, but this was like mental bullying, right? Like almost because people were trying to sue you or they're spreading fake news about you. And I've got a very big mental barrier. I think that's the only thing that's kept me going. You know, like if something like hits me, then it can keep on hitting me, and I'll still come out of that the other end, and I'll I'll be like whatever. Everyone, everyone now they say Samit, you're such a calm guy. Like even like someone will go, hey, someone's been shot or whatever. And I'll just be like, all right, cool. So what were you doing? Like, and that's, that's my reaction to most things, you know, because I just like, nothing's new now. Like, you know, I've had most of the shittiest things that can happen. So it doesn't really affect me as much, but 2015, you know, this, this, so from 2009 to 2015 um, is literally when all of this was happening. And in 2015, literally there was a point, and this is where, you know, this is where, like I'd say, a part, part luck has to come into play. My brother, who is like the, the six foot giant, the muscly guy, the better looking version of me, he's the optician. So, you know, if you're any Indian parent, they always want their child to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. And that was my brother. So my brother just graduated in 2015 and he went on holiday with his friends. A couple of weeks before he was going, I just kept having really morbid thoughts about him like something really bad was going to happen to him and I've never had that you know because he's such a big guy he's muscly you'd never think anything's going to happen to this guy but I just couldn't shake that feeling and that kept happening for two weeks so what I started doing was I kept praying for him you know randomly I'd be praying for him and I'd, I'd be thinking why is this happening why am I why can't I sleep why are these thoughts happening and it's really just stupid and it really got to a point where you know I was like the day before uh, he was going to go on holiday, me and him went out um, for a meal and I was telling it, I was just talking to him. I was like, all right, cool. You know, are you ready for your holiday? What have you got? Um, have you got travel insurance? And he's like, no, you know, why do I need travel insurance? I was like, no, make sure you get travel insurance. And the next day he went on his holiday and he texted me that he got there. So you, whenever you think like something wrong's going to happen, you usually think it's the flight, right? Yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. He's got there. He's landed safely. And I was like, all right, cool. Nothing's going to happen. But that feeling was still there. So I was at work at this point and I, I got a call from an unknown number. I pick up the call and it's like one of Druven's friends. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's Druven's friends. I was like, yeah you having a good time? How are you guys? And he's like, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know how to tell you, but your brother has drowned. And I was like, what? Like, how, how did he, like, how did he drown, right? When someone tells you they've drowned, you think that's it. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now, back to the show. But they're like, is he dead? Is he alive? What, what's, what's happened? And they're like, they don't know. They've taken them to the hospital. So at this point, I, I froze. Not, not because I was in disbelief. I was more like, wait a minute. I was thinking about this for two weeks, and then something happens to him. That's so weird, right? So the next thing I had to do was con speak to my parents and I had to, I had to obviously tell them what had happened, but I also needed money from them because I had zero in my bank balance. So to be a 28 year old with zero in his bank balance and then having to beg your parents for a flight to go and see, to try and see if your brother's okay is the biggest embarrassment ever. Right. And that's, that's exactly what happened. 
they obviously gave me the money and I went to see him and on the flight, you know, I was just thinking all sorts, like what if I have to turn off the machine and all these crazy things that you never really want to think about. I ended up getting to see my brother and he was obviously connected up to all these machines. The doctors said they had to put him in the, into a coma because he had 95% water in both his lungs. So they were like, you know, it's, it's crazy that he is still here. Um, and they, they didn't have any prognosis of whether he'd be all right or not. But as soon as I saw him, I was like, okay, you know, he's going to be fine. Like, that's exactly what happened. Like, I thought to myself, he's going to be fine. Like this, and, and it was weird. Like, I don't know why, like, we still to this day don't really know why that event happened. It was really touch and go. But the stories you hear um, about how, you know, there was an ambulance that was right at that beach when he ended up drowning and they were, they were trying to look for someone else. But my brother got ended up getting taken care of. And there was also a jet ski guy that was randomly jet skiing about. And he, you know, that he's the only guy in this whole lake that owns a jet ski, but he decided to go out. And yeah. if he hadn't, then, you know, my brother wouldn't. So it was like all these split second decisions. And also, you know, the, the insurance thing was big because if my brother didn't have insurance, the doctors wouldn't have dealt with him the way they did. And also it would have been a huge bill like that, that he was in there for about four weeks that would have cost 150, 200K, like the bills. Wow. So so all of that. And, you know, after analyzing everything that went on, like we couldn't really understand because my brother didn't need an intervention in his life. He was already doing well. He was doing, he was on the right path. But if anything, that scenario made me change my whole life because I was like, at that moment, I was like, I can't continue the way I am. I can't continue with having zero to my name. And I said, you know what? At that point, I said, I'm going to give up entrepreneurship. I'm going, to, I'm going to go get a nine to five job, be a normal person. I gave up on that social media business I started and I was creating. I reached out to the people that were suing me and I said, look, I'm not going to start this business no more. I ended up seeing them. I had to, you know, it was almost like going to a bully and telling your bully, look, you've won. And then they got me to sign some papers. Um, so really crazy stuff there. So um, Sammy, your brother survived though, obviously, right? Yeah, okay. yeah he okay, okay, okay. <laughs> he survived, yeah. So he, yeah. he survived that, thankfully. Um, yeah, and then, you know, it was a case of me. Um, I said to myself, I'm just going to go apply for a job. So I, I gave up on my entrepreneurial dream then. And I applied for one position as a consultant because I was really interested in startups at that point. Um, and like... I begged them to let me work with them because they were obviously, they were like, why this guy's 28 years old and we've got a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year old dudes. Like we can't afford to pay this guy whatever he wants. So I said, look, I'll work for free. Just let, I need something. Just give this to me. I need a way out. And I sent off my, I sent off my CV to that one company. I chased up that one company. I ended up getting a job there. And then my job there was literally putting together a launch plan for their new product. That, that product was like a, a, a new smartwatch, right? Yeah. So I ended, up, I ended up putting together that whole marketing plan. I helped them go, go to market. They ended up raising 1.6 million. So that was, that was literally the first sort of campaign I did. And, you know, fair enough, you do one campaign and people think, okay, it's a fluke. But then I followed that up with another campaign that did equally as well. And that's what I've been doing since 2015. It's so funny because I didn't want to be an entrepreneur at that point, but it got forced upon me because as soon as I did them two fantastic campaigns, I had about 10 people that, well, I had probably about 20, 30 people that blew up my inbox saying, hey, we want you to work on our project. 
So I went to all of the people. I said, look, you know, um, if each one of you pay 2000, then I'll work with you. And I had about 10 companies that were looking to pay me 2000 a month. Um, and that's how I ended up setting up my agency. And that's how I ended up creating a business. And fast forward now where I am right now, I've ended up launching a lot of successful businesses. So it's a, it's a weird, um, you know, it's a weird thing that ended up happening, but like it's led to where I am right now. So, so product launch, is that more, would you say more marketing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, so, that's uh, yeah. Majority so marketing. What, yeah. So we're getting any like physical product and they want to jump onto the market or they want to launch to the market and we help them with that whole marketing campaign. Um, you know, some of them want to launch on Kickstarter or Indie, Indiegogo, and that's again what we help them do as well. Gotcha, gotcha. And you started out with two thousand dollars a month fee to do that, and now, now since these are newer companies and they're looking for sourcing and and they don't have a lot of uh, cash flow yet, do you keep that price point low because of that? Because of the type of people that you're working with or the type of companies you're working with, or has that raised up? Uh, it's raised up now. Yeah. Two, 2015 was a complete different game, right? Like where I am now is probably, um, I'm one of the top companies in the space. Um, and I'm, I'm more selective about who we work with. We don't just work with everyone. We work with about seven projects every quarter. Um, because I've got a lot of, lot of other business interests as well. I speak a lot around the world. Um, so, you know, like, but I still have a passion for looking at a product and launching to the market. You know, my ideal client or someone that I'd love to work with is Samsung or Google. I'd love to launch one of their new products. And um, we have worked with like Xiaomi, like which is a, a comparative uh, brand. Um, but I'd love to launch a Google product to the market. And that's the dream that we're working towards. So that, that's a vision that you put out, your vivid yeah. vision that you put out now and you're going after it. That's a vision I'm putting out there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen because we've, we've connected to a lot of amazing people. Um, but hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Pretty sure my ass. You got to be sure, sure. Like there's I, no reason if you're going to yeah. do it, you might as well just be like, take the pretty out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hundred percent sure. Let's like, go. If you're Google or Samsung, you need to reach out to me because right. product needs me. <laughs> Damn right. That's how you got to roll. Every morning we wake up, we think that way. That's how I do it, man. And I've, you know, like there's some crazy shit that's happened to me over the last year and a half that I manifested by thinking that way. You know, I used to hear that stuff back in the day and I believed in positive self-talk and all that, but it is the, the reason it doesn't work for most people is because they don't believe it. Mm. Right. So all you got to do is make this switch and believe before you see. And all of a sudden, man, people start coming into your life. Like you pull people in. It's really like, I hate to say that because it's so cliche, the attraction law of attraction, but yeah. really you, I like to talk about pulling people in. And then, so when I talk about luck, like to me, it's, all the stuff that I've decided and believed in and the actions I've taken afterwards have led me to where I am today to be on, on this call with you, for example. But what, so where's the luck part come in? Well, I, I think that is luck, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know whether it's luck or fate or whatever you want to call it, but there's got to be something like I've not been able to work it out um, or put a definitive answer on it, but it definitely seems like some divine intervention somewhere. It's too much of a coincidence that something like that happened, like what would force me to have two weeks of negative thoughts around my brother or something that was going to happen to him without, uh, you know, and keep on happening. And then it actually, yeah. it's very strange. And, uh, you know, n my brother's life didn't change. The only person's life that changed was mine. But look what you did though, leading up to it. And a lot of people don't believe in this too, 
but you said you prayed. Mm. So, so to me, like I look at this and there's a lot of things that happened there. One, your brother probably's purpose on this planet wasn't finished. No matter what happened, the decision that he made to, to go swimming or whatever it was, he made that decision. But it's like, like you said, the divine intervention or whatever you want to, whoever, whatever people believe in. It was like, nope, let's pick him up here. Let's put him in the ambulance and get him over there. And he's going to survive because he's got a bigger purpose. His, his, his work ain't done yet. And so, but then you were calling out, praying and putting energy out. See, this stuff's real to me. Like it doesn't, like there's no luck involved to me. You guys made decisions and things were happening that led to that. So, so um, yeah, I, I like to argue with you on that one because I like to agree with people as much as I can, but dude, dude, there was decisions that were made and energy that was put out that, that changed that. What would right? you call that then? Uh, if not, like, do we, would you call that divine intervention or what would you call that? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so, so I believe, I believe in God and I believe we're all put here for a purpose. And once our spirit, like this is just my beliefs and I don't apologize for it. Once our spirit and our body, our material, like the, the uh, energy and material of our bodies and everything, everything aligns together. We go towards our purpose and we do great things. And that's why we have success. But when we're not doing that and, it's in the, and there's all kinds of problems and conflict, that's when we have problems. So for him there, he's got a purpose to serve on this planet. He's obviously, you know, is he still a doctor? Uh, he, he actually runs his own business, so it's, well, he's doing, it's, yeah. it's relevant. It's relevant to what, what he's doing. Yeah. So he's, yeah. he's doing amazing things on his own. You know, he's going to be on, uh, the shark tank version of the UK. Uh, so he, he's doing a lot of amazing things as well. Yeah. Yeah, dude, he wasn't done yet. So yeah, whatever you want to call it. See, luck is to me is when you roll the dice one time and you, and you roll a seven and you needed a seven and you rolled it one time. But even then, even then though, actually you rolled the dice. So I don't even know if that's luck. I don't believe in luck. I don't, in the truest definition of it. But so, so what's next for you? Obviously, you want to look, for, you know, work with uh, bigger companies. Google is one of them. Um, but what, what, are you, what are you doing right now, currently on a daily basis to, to go towards that? Um, well, I'm on Clubhouse, obviously. Um, I was, I did have a speaking tour planned before COVID. Um, so I was going to be out on stage inspiring people and and that is my goal for this year. It's to inspire 1 million people to better themselves, to use the power of business, uh, help them through their journeys. Because the most powerful thing that happened to me was when I was up on stage a couple of years ago, I was sharing a story about business and life. And people would come up to me afterwards and go, Samit, you've literally changed my life. That one thing you said or one moment you did. And to me, that was so much more powerful than all the different money I've made so far. Like I felt fulfilled in that moment. Like I felt like I, I achieved a purpose. And for me, I want to continue to do that. I want to continue to inspire people. So my biggest goal is to use obviously the power of business to uh, help people. But my bigger goal is to inspire, motivate, and get people running that business because I think the power of helping someone teach them how to fish rather than give them a fish is so, so important. And I think a lot of people have the opportunity to really change their lives if they can apply and use business to their advantage. Love it, man. So I'm going to ask you one more question before I get into the rocket fuel question and then we'll wrap this up. So when somebody's got an MVP of a product and they're ready to go, what are the two or three most important things they should be focusing on if they have a product that they're getting ready to launch? Yeah. So the first thing that we do is we actually validate an idea. So like I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest advocate of actually going, 
look, how can you create a product without actually spending so much on it? So if someone was to create a product, they would end up spending 20, 30,000 to just formulate something. But how can you do it in a way where you're not spending that? So I'll give you an example of what we did um, just literally last quarter. I had an idea for creating a UV uh, sanitizing case. So, you know, you would put your mask inside this, you would close the lid and it would sanitize your mask. So that was the idea I had. So I could have been the guy that would have gone and spent 20, 30,000 with a product development company. Instead, what I did was I found an existing headphone case that was selling on um, Amazon. I bought that in. I then got some LED lights and just stuck it inside and then started taking Instagrammable pictures and testing. And then I tested whether that idea would generate us money or not. So I set up a landing page. I started driving traffic to it and I'd see what the reaction was like. Is the reaction in line with what we expect, with the data points of the big campaigns that we run? Or is it something that people are signing up for, but it's like low level, right? And people were signing up for it, but it's not an idea that's going to make me millions because that's the scale I'm looking at. So if yeah. anyone there wants to take this idea, <laughs> 50,000 or 100,000, go for it. Um, but it's not one that's going to generate you millions. So this is, and that's, that's, that's an easy way of validating stuff. And that's, that's a big thing that I teach a lot of people about. I'm like, go and validate something. Don't just mm -hmm. go create it. Don't get sucked into it. Create an MVP if you must, but try and do it in the least amount spent. You know, again, I was telling someone that wanted to create a new hair gel. I was like, why are you messing around with the research and the formulation of it and all this crap when the easiest thing you can do is get an existing bottle, just slap on a label, start taking some pictures. And I'm, I always tell people, think marketing first, product second, right? A lot of yep. people forget about marketing. And the second thing I would say is build a community. So once you've built and validated that product, once you've validated that product, start building up a community of people that are going to be buying that product or at least that interested, collect emails of people. That's so important. A lot of people do not do that. And that them two things there is the key to a successful launch if you break it down. There's obviously a lot of little tricks here and there that we do, but that is the biggest thing to a lot of people that are creating products. Yeah, great value there, man. Thank you. And uh, so, so money should be only spent on validating first. That's the yeah. best. If you're going to spend any kind of money, spend it on validation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I love it, man. All right. So before I ask you the rocket fuel question, what's the best way for people to engage with you or reach you? Um, you can reach out to me via my website, sampatel.net, um, or you can go to the agency website, jupio.com. Um, I, I will provide you for the show notes and, you know, check out C-Rock show notes um, and there'll be links to that. Also on Instagram, I'm always posting amazing content that's going to help you, um, blow up your business, launch it, grow it, whatever you need. I'm always posting fire tips on there. So yeah, definitely check it and, out. And where else? Where and, do we meet? Huh? Where do we meet? Oh, Clubhouse. Yeah, and, and get on Clubhouse because he's in uh, hosting plenty of rooms and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of information being dropped for free on there. You can actually talk and ask questions on there. It's just a phenomenal way to, to provide value. And then if you want to go deeper, then they let you know how to go deeper with them, which he just, which he just gave you the website. So Samit, first of all, thank you for being here. The last question, I talk about the rocket fuel law now, like John Maxwell's leadership laws. If you implement the things I talk about with proactively preparing yourself to handle setbacks, you become unstoppable because you take everything that would slow normal people down, 
Stop normal people. You're storing it in your tank instead of your trunk where it weighs you down. And you convert it into rocket fuel to not get back to your original place, but blast way through it. What does that rocket fuel law mean to you or have, has it meant to you in your business and life? Yeah, I think it means for me, you know, it's just going to keep making you stronger. Mentally, it's going to make you stronger. Mindset-wise, it's going to make you stronger for sure because then you'll be able to deal with these scenarios in the future, just like all the things I've mentioned, you know, going through bullying, going through a father that's got OCD, going through uh, business partners trying to kick you out. Like when it happens again, you're you're building a mental fortitude against that. And, you know, every single time something like that happens, you're just over you're overcoming it and you're becoming better. And I think for us to survive or for us to become even better at our craft, we need to go through that. We need to go through challenging times. And when we come out of it, the other end, you know, we'll become unstoppable. It's no surprise that most billionaires are really old, right? Or the average millionaire is really old as well, because they go through a lot of stuff in their lives that impact where they are right now. Like, I am a better entrepreneur right now because of the things I've gone through. And this is my rocket fuel. Yeah, baby. Love it, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I look forward to developing a relationship with you further, Summit. And uh, I wish you all the best. And if there's anything I can ever help you do, I will look forward to making connections for you and anything I can do, man, because I want to give. And I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you, my man. Thank you for coming on, guys. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the What Are You Made Of show with your boy, Mike Searock. Go get that Rocket Fuel book at mikecrock.com forward slash book. Mike Searock with no K.com forward slash book. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCrock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCrock.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.